Hello and welcome. You're listening to Things I Don't Understand. I'll be your host, Luis. A little bit about myself before we get the show going. I'm a journalism student at MSU Denver. I've been there for a few years. Ideally, with a little luck, I'll be graduating next year, but fingers crossed, you know, we'll see. Um, In my free time, I like to take some photos. I like to video edit. I like to make music. Um, As well as I really like to watch movies, and I watch them four to five to six times because I love all the little details, all the good stuff, you know what I mean? A little bit about this show and how it's going to work. Basically, we're going to start with a little segment called On My Mind, and it's where I just kind of talk about what's been on my mind this week that I think is important enough to tell you about, apparently. So the first thing I really want to talk about for this segment, it's the only thing this week, actually. I really do believe that our country could really benefit from having students learn what journalism is and how it works as early as I would say like middle school, you know, because when you're around the age of 13, 14, 15, when you're first starting to write papers, there's such a big emphasis on basically assessing your sources and finding credibility and being able to identify what seems accurate and what is questionable. I really do believe that the big frustration that is happening right now in our country with essentially the whole fake news epidemic, I guess, if you could call it that, is that I really do believe that there isn't as much of an understanding as there could be on how newspapers work, how publications work, and just how reporting data works in general. Um, I really do believe that teaching younger students could be the key to helping with that. I really know that um, I, as a journalism major, I didn't really even know how a newspaper worked until I I was like a freshman or a sophomore and I started working with the campus newspaper. Just understanding that it isn't necessarily about, you know, one person that's running a newspaper and they want to skew this narrative and they have these goals or self-interests. When in actuality, there takes a lot of steps to get a story to print and it has to go through typically quite a few eyes before it actually gets out there. Because as a journalist, when you're putting something out there, you want to make sure it's correct. You don't want to look like an idiot amongst the rest of your peers, on top of that, your readers, and it could even set a precedent for impacting your newspaper or publication in general. It could be big, you know, and you really, that's the last thing you want to do if that's your job. You know, you don't want to impact your job in a negative way just because you don't like Donald Trump or because you don't like a certain celebrity. So, and I think that's, you know, going back to what I was talking about, when we are in middle school, let's say sixth, seventh grade, that's when we start learning how to assess sources. So the foundation for what needs to be taught is already there. I just really think we need to focus more on a practical application of it in the same way that when kids are taught geometry, they use the little diagrams of like the roof and, or the tall building. And then there's like a shadow and you have to find the angle. And just to kind of give it the context of the real world, Now into the next part of the show, I want to talk about a few things that I don't understand. Um, This part of the show is definitely going to ruffle some feathers, and that isn't really the intent. You know, I think that a healthy dialogue is important when it comes to anything related to politics. And if if you disagree with the opinion, it's really, that's okay, you know. And I think that we don't have to be best friends to hear each other out, and we don't have to agree on everything to coexist, because that's part of how life works, you know. But the first thing I want to talk about is the term Latinx. 
And just before we get into this, I really want to talk about, uh, mention that these episodes will not always be so political. However, I really do feel like it is important to start this first one off with something fiery that really kind of gives you a sense of who I am, as well as my beliefs. So the first thing I want to talk about is the term Latinx. I didn't really hear this term until I started college. Uh, I grew up in a pretty small town, so we were just always Mexican or Latino. And the term Latinx really has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It almost seems like, I want to say it parallels like when black people are, were called African Americans in the early 2000s. And like, the fact of the matter is there's a ton of black people in America that have been here, you know, for a really long time. They're not necessarily African. They're as American as everyone else, you know, and I really think that it's, it's almost, it almost feels like a colonization of language. You know, like it, this is definitely a term from my research, what I understand that it was, it came from college campuses and I really do see the intent of wanting to essentially remove the gendered aspect of it because, you know, Latino would be often, would often be used to refer to men and women, but I really do feel like the big movement about policing language, if you can call it that, or I mean, I guess a lot of people do call it that. I really think it has opened the door for unnecessary discussions that aren't necessarily introspective, but because they're developed and discussed by people that aren't part of those communities, you know? And I just know that when I hear the term Latinx, I, my brain automatically assumes that this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, it almost seems like it's a word that's been placed on us for the sake of white people feeling more comfortable referring to us. The next topic I want to talk about in this segment um, is misogyny amongst men. And this is going to be, this is something that I've experienced and I have a lot of experience with being a man, you know, and like I said, I grew up in a pretty small town. So traditional gender norms were, you know, kind of expected and more normal around there um, just because it did tend to be a more conservative area. Uh, however, I really do, I really want to address this weird echo mentality that it seems like a lot of men have, you know, and as a gay man, I really have, a, I've, there's been quite a few times where I've had to call out people around me for, you know, talking a certain way or about women or treating women a certain way. And it seems like there's always this attitude of like, you know, like either oh, well, you're just a simp because you're really into her and you're just doing this so that you can virtue signal. And then it just, the conversation at that point turns into like, well, you know, dude, I'm gay. You know, I'm not really trying to, you know, be with her, or hook up with her, whatever. And then the conversation comes into, turns into, well, this is a man's conversation and you're not part of this situation. And then like, and basically what ends up happening is that there's always these exceptions to why men should be, I guess, open to hearing the opinions of other men when it comes to misogyny. And it seems like they'll just work their way down this list that can basically exclude anyone from having a valid response or valid frustration with misogyny until it's other men that believe the same exact thing. Um, and it just kind of creates this weird echo chamber of men that basically support men in these ideas because they all agree on it, you know? And I think that really at the root of the problem is, you know, obviously the misogyny, but I really do believe that it's this weird 
authority that some men see in other men because they think like them. At the end of the day, it just equates, like I said, to this huge echo chamber of just, we only believe this way, and anyone that doesn't believe this way is either a simp or gay or they're not part of this conversation. When, as men, you know, we are, like, basically the most responsible when it comes to misogyny because we're the ones that benefit from it. It's really that simple. The next thing I want to talk about is homophobia among black and Hispanic men. Because this, this one just seemed, always seemed like a no-brainer to me. Um, it really, I really don't understand how you as a person of a minority group that is directly impacted, you know, by the way this country works and the way that a lot of people perceive you without even, you know, saying a word just by looking at you. I really don't understand how there isn't more support for the LGBTQ community, you know, and because, for example, you know, if somebody, if, let's say, if somebody gave me the option to wake up white tomorrow, you know, and, you know, they said, you can wake up white, you don't have to deal with any of the racism you've dealt with since you were a kid, you know, you can feel safer when you're driving your car, you can feel safer talking to police. I don't know, if, well, actually, I know for a fact that I couldn't do it, you know, I really feel like I've learned to love myself and being Mexican is as much of a part of me as any other part of me. And I feel very similar about being gay, you know, I think it really helped shaped me, shape me into who I am today. And going back to that hypothetical, I think that there has to be more of a mutual understanding that nobody, even if I could change being gay, I wouldn't, you know, it's part of who I am. And that's really basically the whole discussion. The next thing I want to talk about that I don't understand is refusing to accept someone's transition. Um, this is something that's always seemed like it's really boggled me because I don't care, you know, and I think a lot of people could benefit from not caring. And I think not caring is very much different from being complacent to what is happening to a lot of trans folks around this country and around the world, of course. Um, however, I do think that it's just put, from putting it into a different perspective, putting it into a different perspective. If you have a coworker and they get married and they change their last name from, I don't know, Johnson to Smith, right? Would you walk up to that coworker and just start saying, you know, I'm actually still going to refer to you as Johnson because you were born a Johnson and you have Johnson blood in your body. And that's just the way it works because I see it that way. Like, just think about like how ridiculous that would be. Like, it's really not that complicated to kind of give somebody basically the respect they're asking for in the most basic way of using the names they want to be addressed as of respecting their life because it's not your life and you don't really have to deal with any of the consequences in the same way that they do of their decisions you know and i really do believe that accepting trans folks is the next barrier for making our country a better place because they're just people like you and me that are living their lives trying to figure it out and as a person as a gay person i've definitely had feelings of gender dysphoria, you know, and I, I don't think it was ever um, intense enough to where I really even consider transitioning. But I think it's important to have a little empathy and consider how weird it would feel to not feel like yourself in your own body, you know, and I think a more uh, universal example would be like when you start a new job, and you know, you're qualified, and you know that you can do this. And this is the, the this is for you. But you kind of still have that imposter syndrome and it feels like you're not quite 
who you're meant to be in that moment. And it, it takes time. And I think that a, a picture of being very similar as being a trans person is that you are trying to fit into this role that you know it is for you and it's still new and it's changing. And I'm sure that's really hard to transition through on top of having people around you not be considerate and not affirm who you are, who you're telling them you are. But yeah, that's that on that. That's some, another thing that I don't understand. It really isn't that complicated to have a little bit of compassion. So this is probably the part of the show that's going to be the most uh, polarizing. Uh, I really, I know that we've already talked about some fiery stuff, but this is definitely a little more spicy. I want to talk about abortion. So let's just get into it. And I know that I'm a man, you know, this isn't really like my place because I can't have a baby. Like, why do I have an opinion on abortion? Well, let's find out. So basically... We live in a country where the Constitution basically like aligns and outlines um, that we have the freedom to a personal pursuit of happiness under God. And I really do believe that if somebody gets an abortion, it's between them and God, if you see it that way, or it's between them and themselves if they're not a Christian. I really don't believe that anyone has the right to tell anyone else what to do with their bodies, you know, in the same way that... I don't support war. I don't support soldiers. I don't support, and I understand the need for it, but um, I just, I'm not going to just stop paying my taxes so that soldiers can't eat. And because that's just not fair, you know? And I think that everyone, we have a right, we have a responsibility as communities to support each other in basically doing what we need to do. But I really don't understand the need or the desire to restrict women's access to healthcare, specifically when it comes to abortions. And that's just my take on that. The last topic I want to talk about, this one's a little bit more light, um, but it is still kind of heavy. So I, I want to say a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, my partner and I watched this movie called Midnight Kiss. And it was, it was a traditional slasher movie. You know, it hit all the beats. It like, it was like a, it was like a gay slasher movie. There was like one woman in the whole movie, right? Uh, so the movie starts out with all these guys and they're hanging out and they're getting ready to go to the club. You know, they're getting all dolled up and they get to the strip club. And of course, there's male strippers there. They're doing their thing, you know, making their money. Go get it. And there, there was just this really weird cut of there was the serial killer that was killing one of them. And then it was just interlaced with all these cuts of a strip club, you know, and it went from one kind of graphic to another kind of graphic. And. I think in that moment, I realized how often we see that in horror movies. And it's just something that makes me really uncomfortable because I've never, I've never really paid too much attention. Um, when, definitely when it comes to sex and horror movies with, you know, hetero couples, cause I just don't care, you know? Um, but seeing it in like the light of, you know, the gay movie where it's like a product or a movie made for gay people that basically mirrors straight culture and, it really kind of put it into a new perspective for me because it made me really uncomfortable to see like, you know, blood and sex beat for beat. And I think that's really weird. And that's another thing that I don't understand. And this has been our show. Thank you for tuning in to things I don't understand. I am your host, Luis. Tune in next week where we're going to be talking about gender norms and gender expectations in our society. I think it's going to be a pretty good episode. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great night.